the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where Wednesday is Mug Day with $7 Cousin Cocktails. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hour number two, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. NBA conversation coming up. Trent's Play of the Day, Circus Sports sponsors it. That happens just before we get out of here, about five minutes before noon. Right now, our friend Adam Rittenberg, who joins us all periodically throughout the year. He's back with us uh, for his segment. Adam, Trent and Ken in Des Moines, thanks for coming on as always. How is How are you doing, Adam? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? Doing well. Um, before we get into the NIL stuff, which uh, honestly makes my head hurt trying to, you know, just grasp it. Not that I feel that the players should be paid. They should. I've been on that, uh, fought that fight for years. Uh, here we are. But before we get to that, uh, divisions, potentially divisions in college football going away. It's certainly something, I mean, we've seen some stinkers, right, over the years when a division winner versus other division winner. Uh, meanwhile, there's seemingly another more worthy opponent it just happens to be, well, in the Big Ten's case, uh, in the same division as Ohio State. Uh, I think it has to happen. Uh, do you feel that uh, we're almost at that point, Adam? We are. And the thing that people need to realize is, like, a lot of this is connected to the upcoming media deal that the Big Ten and, and other leagues are going to be doing, the Big Ten first and then Pac-12, Big 12. And so when you're going to those, uh, you know, those, those partners and saying, you know, hey, we have a championship game right now that – you know, you, you, we, we don't know if the winner of that game is guaranteed to get into the playoff versus getting rid of division and ensuring that your championship game, you know, like you already have in the Big 12, is number one versus number two, especially with an expanded playoff, you're likely coming in 2026. You can sit there and say, this is a playoff play-in game, and that makes it a lot more valuable for you and for your, your television partners. And so I, I've, I've said for years that divisions should go away. I, I think there's too many uh, games that are played annually in college football that don't need to be played because of divisions. And then there's not enough uh, of that schedule rotation, this crossovers, games that people really want to see are really, really rare. It's great that Alabama and Georgia have started to play more often in the SEC championship game. But if that was, wasn't the case, they would barely play. You saw that mm-hmm. uh, when when Georgia wasn't making the title game every year. So why 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 does that? Why do Alabama and um, and Arkansas have to play more than Alabama and Georgia? And TV people are sitting there and nodding their heads, saying the mm-hmm. exact same thing. And you can do it in the Big Ten. Do, do Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota need to all play each other? Absolutely. Does Iowa need to play Purdue every year? Probably not. Uh, would, would would you rather see Iowa Purdue or Iowa Penn State or Iowa Michigan or Iowa Ohio State? Like those are games that have a much higher potential to rate. If you're a Fox or a ESPN, CBS, you can go right down the list. And so I, I think this once this happens, and I, I think it will happen around the sport in, in the next year or so, it's going to be good for everyone involved. Um, maybe harder for Iowa to make the Big Ten championship game or Wisconsin, but it's going to be good for the conference and good for the uh, the television agreements going forward. Going hand-in-hand hand with that, seeing each other in your conference more and trying to figure out tiebreakers where, pretty simple, right? You play everybody mm-hmm. in your division, tiebreakers become much more simpler when you got a 14-team conference like the Big Ten 
And if you go down to only eight conference games, those tiebreakers, I'm going to guess, are going to be a little more nutty if that happens. Do you anticipate we are trending towards everybody playing nine conference games or everybody going the model of the SEC and ACC and playing eight conference games? I just don't know how you could sit there if you're the SEC, and the, especially the ACC, given the revenue situation that they're in because they're locked into such a long-term right. agreement mm-hmm. and say – uh, we're going to stay with a conference game. Like, good, good luck with that. I mean, I think the SEC has a lot of incentive to play nine conference games, especially with an expanded playoff likely coming. Now, they, they, they have said, and Greg Sankey, their commissioner, said earlier this week that they're fine with a 14 playoff, but I think that's a harder position to maintain when you become a 16-team conference in a few years and then what, with the pressure to you know, increase your offering of conference games from, from eight to nine because of what that could do for television. So um, I, I, I think eventually, you know, you will see an expanded playoff. Eventually we'll see more conference games being played. And then more of the games that really matter on a regular basis around the sport, when, once you take away division. You know, Trent, you bring up a fair point about tiebreakers. I'm willing to live with that. Just while, as, as I'm willing to live with repeat championship games. This, yep. this aversion to a, re, to a really, really good game being played again oh my god i don't want a really really good game give me the third place team from the west or the team that would have finished third or fourth in the east like i I don't understand that way of thinking at all i never will and thankfully i won't have to in the near future Hmm. uh adam have you heard anything uh pursuant to oklahoma and texas like the aac schools are looking to uh they're going to write the check so they can get out uh, in uh, in time for next year to join the big 12 oklahoma and texas as we know they're pretty secretive i mean they blind Blindsided Bullsby, and the next day later, it uh, broke that uh, he he was in front of the media and said, uh, "We're harmony, uh, everything's fine in the Big Twelve." And then he gets the rug pulled out from underneath them. They're very good at keeping secrets. What if anything are you hearing as far as their exit window? Oklahoma, Texas, leaving the Big Twelve potentially early. Yeah, all, all we know is that the Big that they'll be in the Big Twelve this year. I, I'm not willing to say they'll definitely be in next year when it'll be a 14 team conference. Uh, I think it could be fun. Uh, for a year or two to have that. But I think when they made their move last summer, nobody was saying they're really going to ride this out to the end of the contract. Right? Could, could it happen? I, I, I guess. I, I just don't. That, that, that's a really long time in college athletics. Um, and so th- there, there's obviously a, a negotiation process that would need to take place. The Big 12 has every right to demand every cent that it's owed. But um, I, I would be really surprised if we're sitting here in 2024 uh, talking about Texas and Oklahoma as contenders in the Big 12. I think at that point, uh, they will most likely be headed into the SEC. Well, your job certainly has changed here over the last 10 months as NIL hmm. has been such a big part of the lexicon. And with it, certainly collectives. And the NCAA now earlier this week trying to make this work, trying to figure out on the fly how they're going to adjust and take away the inducements that have become a big part of NIL. Where are we as you look at it right now and is there any shot that they're going to be able to figure this out? The NCAA that doesn't have a whole lot of teeth that they're going to be able to fix what many people believe is wrong. I don't know how you do it, Trent. I mean, you know, with with the enforcement staff already being reduced and you know their inability to to uh, quickly get anywhere on, on on the basketball situations that, that popped up years ago with the FBI. I mean, we're still sitting here, and, and there hasn't been a resolution on a school like Arizona. I, I don't know how. Uh, you know, you can sit there and, and feel confident that, um, that that they'll be able to, you know, kind of police some of the things that are going on with the collectives that, in their view, 
you know, violate what NIL was, was supposed to be. You, it see, it, there's a lot of confidence on the collective side, you know, reading some quotes from the, their attorneys that they are following the state law and the state that they're in and that they're not violating, um, you know, what, what, what these NCAA guidelines. And, and, and I, I think it's a little bit of a, of a, of a game of chicken because you know, do, do some of these, um, uh, the, does the NCAA or, or these leagues in some cases want to get into court with these collectives? Uh, do they feel like they, they will be successful? I, I think that's why there's just kind of continued clamor for a federal NIL policy. That's why Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner and Pac-12 commissioner George Kleopkop went to Washington last week, why those co- conversations will continue at that level because, you know, it's, it, it's very difficult state to state to uh, to to kind of deal with uh, deal with NIL in general, but especially in regards to these uh, to these collectives, and um, I, I I certainly have my doubts. I'll put it that way. So where so where's college football going, Adam? With, uh, with the Power Five as we know it today, in five years, does it exist, or have some of those Power Five uh, schools left and joined, you know, the haves, if you will, the the the, the Texas A and M's who are spending thirty million dollars on an incoming class, the Oregon's, the 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 teams, the schools that that have those deep pocketed boosters. Where, where's college football in five years? Well, I mean, I, I think college football has always been uneven. I mean, I think anyone who studied the history of the game knows that you know there, there's always been a certain group of schools that have been able to do more than most everybody else. Uh, whether you know, and now it's just more out in the open. Um, I, I, I again, I, I'm not one of these people that think a, a, a super league is, is is imminent. I understand why 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 people have said that, but I, I still I still go back to this, guys. You know, the, the, for that to happen, the Big Ten is going to want to have to – they're going to have an appetite to add, and the SEC is going to have an appetite to add. Given what the SEC has created, why should they share that money with anybody? You know, given what the Big Ten is, is about to create here with this contract, who, who, why should they share that with, with other teams? And, and who are those other teams? What are they bringing to the table? Because otherwise, I think the Big Ten is, will be fine – the way it is at, at 14, and, and uh, unless Notre Dame wants to join, unless a school like North Carolina wants to join, I, I, I don't see there's a whole lot of value in, 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 in splitting that uh, enormous amount of money with, with other members. So I, I, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, those conversations about Super Leagues will continue. I, I know one commissioner recently told me that he thinks it's nonsense, that, that it's, uh, it, it's not something that's likely to happen. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see how the landscape does change with what the Big Ten brings in, with what the Pac-12 brings in. The Big 12 is, is again, in, in revenue offsetting mode because they know they're going to lose much of their value when Texas and OU uh, depart for the SEC. So uh, how much of that can they recoup in this, in this upcoming television uh, negotiation for whoever their new commissioner is? I'll tell you this, Bob Bowlesby probably had the biggest smile on his face of anybody last week in Arizona because he's months <laughs> away from not having to deal with any right. of this stuff, and I don't blame him. Yeah. So, a- what kind of commission? Sorry, Trey, what kind of commission do they lead along those lines? Klyavkov was an out of the box hire, right? His Vegas, his entertainment background. I think that's um, that's the path they have to take. If, if when you when you're the Big Twelve, you have to have obviously a guy that's willing to take some chances. Yes, there's a television background there, but maybe not just a, a recycle um, a guy that's been an AD. Someone's got some different ideas, Adam. How about that? I, you know, it's certainly possible. I, it almost feels like they're going to go with a more traditional hire, but I, I do think it's somebody who has the ability to think like George does. I think George uh, has been very. Impre- I've been very impressed. With, with his perspective, someone from the outside, 
being able to kind of frankly identify the things that are wrong with the college athletics model, but also, you know, build the relationships that Larry Scott uh, either couldn't or refused to do in the Pac-12 on campus. And that's one thing that, that people have brought up a lot that, you know, Mark Emmert, you know, didn't connect with those on campus. Larry Scott didn't connect with those on campus. And so whether this person's a sitting AD or uh, somebody in the, a league office or somebody completely from the outside like George Kleopkoff, I do think it's imperative that they understand what the new Big 12 will be and the fact that you are losing much of your value uh, whenever Texas and Oklahoma walk out that door. So how can you, um, you know, use the incoming members, the existing members? I, I talked about this with Mac Rhodes, the Baylor athletic director, a few months ago and others in the conference because on the field, on the court, the Big 12 is doing fine. Yeah. You know, they, they, yep. they, they won a national title last year. Uh, they won women's national titles. They had two uh, you know, top 10 teams. They win, win New Year's Six Bowls in Baylor and Oklahoma State. They're adding really good members in, in, in Cincinnati. UCF have both kind of reached about as high as you can at the group of five level. Houston has been you know, pretty close and, and, and should be poised for some really good seasons ahead. They're in a major market. BYU is a national name with a national following. But just like their problem is going to be money. I, I don't think their, their competition necessarily is going to go way down, but their revenue uh, e- e could even fall behind the Pac-12. I know there's tremendous confidence on George Klyovkov's part in terms of what he can uh, engineer in this upcoming media rights agreement. Remember, the Pac-12 is next. It's Big Ten first, then Pac-12, then Big 12. So the new Big 12 commissioner will have to wait until uh, after the Big Ten and Pac-12 before he or she is able to, uh, you know, bring in a, a new a new agreement for that conference. Speaking of the money coming in, you mentioned uh, the Big Ten, what they have in front of them. ESPN has had a part for a very long time. How important? And I know you work for ESPN, but how important do you think that having some kind of relationship with ESPN was as you go out into this space? Uh, people here, as you know, Adam, oh, SEC and, and ESPN, they're married now in college athletics. Do you think it's important for the Big Ten to, re- to maintain some kind of relationship with ESPN? I mean, selfishly, obviously. I, I, I grew up watching ESPN and, and mm. watching Big Ten football and basketball. I, I, I certainly hope so. And I, I know that you know, we had our programming people that were out in Arizona we had some broadcasters. Um, you know, it was funny. Uh, I was joking a lot with, with Joey Galloway and Matt Barry because they played golf all week while I, I stopped the <laughs> lobby. I was actually working. Those guys were, were really working, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, we, we had a presence, but so did Fox and so did CBS, which, which is a, a really potentially great partner for the Big Ten because they're not going to have college football once the SEC moves on, at least uh, Power Five football, I should say. NBC wants to get involved. You know, you have the streaming services. So it's a hard one to uh, really handicap, although you just look at the history, as you mentioned, Trent, of the Big Ten and the Big uh, and, and the ESPN having Big Ten content. Now, can ESPN offer the number of windows that some of those other um, uh, broadcast partners can? Probably not. Can ESPN offer the promotion and the production and the history and the broadcasters and all of that? Absolutely. And I think Kevin Warren understands that, uh, having visited with Kevin, and I think this will be a very diverse uh, deal, it, meaning that it will be a lot of different entities involved. I don't think it's going to be a long-term deal, nor should it be. We're in an era of the uh, of the six-year, five-year deal versus the 10, 15, 20-year deal for, for these media rights because, as, as several people told me out in Arizona, college athletics live rights are still undervalued right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's a real desire 
to you know go into the market on a regular basis and renegotiate because you know these these rights fees continue to go up and up and up. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, ESPN.com, senior writer, college football. Adam, great to catch up with you. Thank you for doing this for us, Adam. We'll talk again. You bet. Sounds good, guys. Yep. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Adam Rittenberg, as we catch up a little college football conversation, Big 12, a Big 10, rather, is going to cash in big time. So much money. Maybe double the money. So the money that was now is going to athletes that normally be going into the athletic department, good. they'll be fine. Yes. For the Big 12? Well, you just don't know. I, I don't want them to. I think the Big 12 has to go outside the box. Get an inter- a guy that's yet got TV background. I like Klyovkov, what he's doing. But remember, Larry Scott was outside the box, and he was an unmitigated disaster. He was terrible. He, he, was, he was pathetic. He was brutal. But Klyovkov, I think they got this right. Got to see something. Yeah, but they got the, they got the, uh, the alliance. <laughs> right, which is nothing. <laughs> I got to uh, see something here. Larry Scott initially, too. Hey, this is a guy coming from the Tennis Channel. He knows how TV contracts work, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. No. I like the fact that Klavkov had the Vegas background, entertainment, bringing Well, of people. course he did. It's Vegas. Sure. Um, but man, the, whoever takes Bullsby's shoes got... I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy. No. Not an easy conference uh-huh. to manage. And now you have the evolution and that TV contract. It is going to be the difference. Are they going to be able to keep up with... The Pac-12 and the well, ACC? You know because my, you're, not, you're not keeping up with the SEC. And I, no, you're not. So, so here's my fear. Do you know what my fear is? Where these games are going to be? Streaming. Uh-huh. They were, they were first to embrace ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN Big Plus. Ten's got a network. SEC's got a network. ACC's got a network. Pac-12 has a network, apparently. We don't know. <laughs> right. Because we're DirecTV subscribers. Big 12 went to ESPN+. Plus. If Amazon comes in and wants college sports, do they... Are you ready for the Big Ten on a streaming platform? Because it's going to happen. I believe it is. This this contract? Yes. I believe that is going to be a part of it. That it's going to be... Yeah, put Illinois Rutgers there. Well, what if it's Iowa-Michigan? Well, if you watch it. you got to figure it out, right? you got to figure it out, sure. And you will. You figured out yeah, ESPN+. It, Plus. Mm-hmm. But with that much money, if, if, if indeed it is, I mean... Iowa might be getting. Have you heard a hundred million a year? A year in TV money alone, not just Iowa. The other schools, right? I'll before you sell money. a ticket, right? Before you sell a T-shirt, mm-hmm. before all that, yep, hundred million dollars just to have your games right. televised or streamed. See, I think it's more have your games televised, streamed. Now I could see the Big Twelve. I hope I'm wrong. Being, they already are, though. That's true, but. The majority of them, instead of you get one game a week on ESPN. Oh, this won't be a huge part of the package, but it'll be a piece is what I think. Oh, I don't think there's any question in my mind. Maybe those Friday night games that we've seen on FS1, that's the package that Amazon, Apple, Mm -hmm. whoever gets. Now, now the Big 12 doesn't fall as far as to join the Maction Brigade, do they? No, I don't think so. They're not playing Tuesdays or Wednesdays. But with this new Thursday night football on Amazon... You know, ESPN's got to be looking at yes, some programming. That's true. Thursday night college football used to be a huge thing, mm-hmm. and now it is yep. some American games. Maybe yeah, in and ACC, ACC Louisville usually gets a Thursday night game and it rains. Remember when Florida State uh-huh. not, got knocked off by NC uh-huh. State? And it was just monstrous. It was yep. a huge deal. Iowa State Texas was big a few years ago. Get back so into was that. that. Mac Brown's last game in Ames. Is that what it, it was? That might have been. Anyways, don't call. But but it rings a bell. Go that route. Mm-hmm. Think of those windows and. 
not everybody's going to be streaming. Not mm-hmm. everybody's going to be watching NFL where you just flip it on on Thursday night. What right. has become part of your habit? Hey, there's a good college game on. All of a sudden, we can see Oklahoma State, Iowa State. That's a big deal. Yeah, you can see Central Florida against Houston. Both mm-hmm. those teams are really good. That's a big deal. Reclaim Thursday night football. That, that's why I think whoever takes this gig has to be um, willing to at least explore some of those opportunities. Time for another thousand dollar home run. Enter this nationwide keyword at kxno.com. The keyword in the 11 o'clock hour is bank. That's bank. kxno.com. The keyword bank at kxno.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Your next chance to win $1,000 is with Murph and Andy in the 1 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon going to get in the NBA. God, it's got to be better tonight than it was last night. Combined 65 points. I would blow out City, baby. The one seeds flexed a little bit last night. Uh, we will get into that next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. The Grumpy Goat Tavern provides a rustic, comfortable atmosphere with reclaimed barnwood, sleek modern finishes, and a one-of-a-kind environment that you have to see to believe. Featuring a fresh menu, friendly neighborhood service, 50 tap beers, and sports. The Grumpy Goat Tavern is the place to be for any occasion. Catch all of the games all summer long at the Grumpy Goat Tavern with two locations in West Des Moines and one on First Street in Ankeny. Grumpy Goat is more than just a restaurant. It's local. It's for you. It's your tavern. Lock. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-4-LIVE. Coming up here in about 15 minutes or thereabouts, Circus Sports sponsors. That's, uh, I look forward to catching, well, seeing who he's going to put his hard-earned money on. Let's talk NBA, shall we? Uh, we've uh, been uh, fortunate to have Kyle Irving from the Sporting News join us throughout these NBA playoffs, and he's back with us again. Boy, Kyle, we've been entertained. Uh, we were due for last night, right? These, <laughs> these games seemingly on an every-night basis. You can find one that's got you on the edge of your seat, whether you bet the game or just watching the game. Uh, but, man, last night was bad. We were due. Is that how you look at it? How, that's uh, kind of how I see it. I felt like we were due, but I didn't see it coming in the, you know, the one night where we had two series that were tied at 2-2 with pivotal game fives. I really thought that out of at least one of those two games last night, we would have gotten a really close barn burner. But, uh, I mean, hey, sometimes that's just the way it goes. They were close. Both of them were pretty close in the first half. Yep. And, you know, I think the better team ran away with the, ran away with the game in the second half for both games. Both those series obviously shift back now to the lower-seeded team, back to Dallas in the West and back to Philadelphia. Who do you give a better shot of ending this series, either Miami or Phoenix on the road in Game 6 uh, tomorrow night? I give the Suns a better chance of ending this series just because I felt like the Mavericks in that Game 4 where they evened up the series, it was an odd game where, you know, Luka really didn't get as much as he had been in that series, but they had gotten so much production from the other guys. Dorian Finney-Smith knocked down yeah. eight threes in that game, which is downright ridiculous. I mean, in the first half, I remember we were looking up the stats to see what the most made threes in a playoff game was. 
uh, because it kind of felt like it was trending in that direction for the Mavericks as a team. So to me, that kind of felt a little bit more fluky against a really good Suns team versus, you know, with the Heat last night, I think that Jimmy Butler was incredible. Mm-hmm. I think Joel Embiid is really starting to feel that concussion and, and you know, the, the orbital fracture in his face. Seems like James Harden is still trying to figure out which player he really wants to be in this playoff series. Uh, but everything changes when it goes back to Philly, and you know that's going to be a rocking crowd. Uh, we saw them step up to that challenge when they were down 2-0 in the series, and people all over the place, myself included, were already counting them out. Uh, I really feel like once they go back to Philly, they have a better chance of tying this thing up and going back to Miami. Yeah, I see it this exact same way you do. Uh, Embiid's going to play better. Boy, when he took that, uh, well, it was actually the ball that got him in the face uh, under the under the basket, and he went down right away. I thought, oh boy, this this isn't going to be good. His series is going to come to an end. But you know what? Give him credit; he got back out there. Wasn't himself. Uh, we shall see. So let's fast forward to tonight because Buck Celtics has been terrific. The Celtics were unbelievable in the fourth quarter uh the other day what are we going to get tonight kyle i really feel like you know going back to boston so far it's been every single time the bucks are striking first and the celtics are responding and i mean it's an impressive way to handle things especially considering that the celtics have been down a starter in each of their two wins tonight but i really do feel like tonight's the night where boston's going to come out and i think jason tatum is due to explode Uh, It feels like he's kind of been dragging along in the past couple games. I mean, he had 29 in game two, but it didn't really feel like, you know, the dominant performances that we had seen against the Nets in the first round. Uh, To me, it seems like the Celtics are going to come out and throw that first punch tonight. But the thing is, is the Bucs can very easily respond with a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo and the way that he makes everybody around him better. Uh, I really could see them having a similar counterpunch the way that the Celtics did in Milwaukee in games three and four. So, I mean, I think we're going to be in for another battle. It's going to be really physical. Unfortunately, we're going to see a lot of whistles. We'll probably go to the monitor a hundred times to <laughs> yeah. review every ticky-tack foul. But, I mean, that's just the nature of the series. It's been physical. It's been a battle. And I think, you know, we're going to get a similar uh you know, trend in tonight's game. Al Horford was unbelievable uh, in, in game number four. He had 30. I mean, I, I know he missed a couple of shots, but it felt like he uh, made them all. Boy, he was good. And, and for him to be doing this this late in his career, where's this coming from? It's, it's it's great to see, don't get me wrong, just kind of surprising that he's able to, you know, to have the one of those kind of nights. I couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching the other night. I mean, think about all those Atlanta Hawks teams that he played yeah. for, all those all those playoff games that he's played in. And that was the most points he's ever scored in a playoff game. I mean, he was really, really, really good for those Hawks teams. He was the best player, and he never did that for those teams. And here he is at 35 years old doing it for the Celtics. But I think what's interesting that people tend to forget is last year, he only played a handful of games for the Oklahoma City Thunder before they mutually agreed to shut him down for the season. With that team rebuilding, they really weren't going to get anything out of a 34-year-old Al Horford at that point. They were going to try and figure out how to trade his contract. And uh, actually, Brad Stevens' first move when he took over as president of the Celtics he traded Kemba Walker in a first-round pick to get Al Horford back in Boston. Mm. It's a move that made sense for the Celtics big time. I mean, Kemba Walker really didn't allow them to do what they wanted to do defensively, switching everything, playing you know that aggressive trapping style defense that the Celtics like to play. And when you get a player like Al Horford back in the mix who can defend the you know toughest bigs in the Eastern Conference, whether it's Joel Embiid, whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's had success against both those guys in the past. He's much more switchy as a defender. He's more versatile, and he's just a veteran presence that team needed. I really think that Brad Stevens deserves more credit than he's gotten so far for that first move. Drew Holiday's really struggled with his shot, both outside and just overall. You look at some of the numbers there. Is that him trying to do too much without Middleton out there, or just kind of the way the Bucks are built right now? Giannis is going to do his thing. They need Holiday to take a step forward. What do you think of his play, and how much better can he be tonight? 
I think that Holiday, I, I think you put that perfectly. He's pressing a little bit to try and make up for what they're missing in Middleton. I mean, Middleton is so crucial as a scorer and playmaker for that team. And Holiday's a good third, you know, third level scorer. He's a good player who, you know, he can get you 20 on a night where you're not expecting it. But, I mean, this guy's going out there taking 20 shots a night. I think I saw someone say that he had like over 100 shots in the first four games. And that's not really his game. I mean, he's a, he's a good spot up shooter when you need him to be. He's really good going to the rim. But when you're looking for him to, you know, be your second leading scorer and really create some extra offense uh, for anything that's not a catch-and-shoot three coming out of Giannis's hands. Uh, it's really tough for the Bucks. So I think he's pressing a little bit. He's been awesome defensively, but I really think that if the Bucks are going to have a chance of advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals, he's going to have to kind of find his form a little bit more and not try and be something that he's not. I mean, even if he's just attacking the rim and, and causing the defense to collapse and then kicking out to – whether it's Pat Connaughton or, or Bobby Portis or Grayson Allen, guys that have been knocking down threes all series, I feel like that's really more of Drew Holiday's lane than it is trying to force up 20, 22 shots a game and try and replace the production that Middleton that they're missing from Middleton. Uh, I give uh, Memphis a, a ton of credit for the way they fought. I didn't think that they would to put up the fight that they did in game number four. Uh, gave the the Warriors all they wanted. In fact, Golden State had to put it together uh, in the fourth quarter to to advance. So it ended up being three right at the end. It was a late uh, bucket in there. But I, I give Memphis a ton of credit in game four. I just don't know if they can come up with that kind of resolve that kind of you know band together we lost our leader type of thing back-to-back game I know it's at home but I would be surprised I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State won this one relatively easily tonight where are you on this one yeah I agree with you on that the the one the other night in Golden State kind of feels like one of those games that really just takes the wind out of you I mean they played as well as you can possible well I shouldn't say they played as well as you possibly could play because that was an ugly game on both ends I don't think either team played very well but they kept it close, and they had a lead going into the fourth quarter. And if they were going to have a chance in this series, I mean, obviously it ended up coming out that John Morant is likely to miss the rest of the postseason, even if the, the Grizzlies were to advance and keep the series alive. But it really felt like they needed to take that one in the bay the other night, and they let it slip away. Jaron Jackson Jr. put it perfectly uh, after the game. He talked about how they felt like they put themselves in a position to win going into the fourth quarter, but that's where they missed John Morant the most. John Morant had the third most points in the fourth quarter in these playoffs behind uh, Stephen Curry and Chris Paul. And when you don't have a guy like that where you can just give him the ball and get out of the way when you really need a, when you really need a bucket and they're struggling to find anything, anything, anybody to go out and score for them late in that fourth quarter when, you know, Stephen Curry's finally starting to get going and they have other guys knocking down shots on the Warriors. They were really missing that in John Morant today or, or last night, I should say. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, that that's the writings on the wall for them been a hell of a series for the Grizzlies, but I think this is kind of where the road ends against a better team. So Jokic wins the MVP. It's a regular season award. People are playing some revision history right now. <laughs> hey, look at Embiid. Well, the, again, regular season award. Did NBA voters get this one right? I really feel like they do, and I feel like you know because Jokic is sitting on his couch for the second year in a row as he accepts the MVP trophy, that's where really right. people are starting to come down on him, but I still personally feel like if you were to take Nikola Jokic off the Nuggets and put them up against uh, a Joel Embiid list 76ers. I think that 76ers team, even without James Harden, uh, you know, considering what the team looked like in the first half of the season, I think that they would handle the Nuggets team mm-hmm. that was on the floor this year around Jokic. I mean, the guy was missing his two best players around him. He kept them competitive in the Western Conference all year. I know analytics is, is kind of becoming a driver in this conversation, and people are starting to point to that as opposed to, you know, the eye test. But I really think that Nikola Jokic was the MVP this year. I think he was the most valuable to his team. His numbers, you know, his regular numbers were still incredible. And, you know, 
as great as Joel Embiid was, he was the first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq this year. I really do feel like the team around Jokic, I mean, they had no business being in the playoffs. That would have been a lottery team. I really feel like Nikola Jokic deserved the MVP, but I do understand why people are upset with Joel Embiid because he really did have a great season for the second year in a row with nothing to show for it. Uh, last thing for me, Con, we sure love having you on. Uh, at this point, May the 11th, who, uh, who does it feel like to you is going to win the championship? Right now, I still, I'm going to continue to ride with the Phoenix Suns. I think they've been the best team all year. I think we're really starting to see them come into their own uh, late in these playoffs. I think, you know, they kind of struggled a little bit in the first round without uh, Devin Booker, and they, you know, Luca's giving them a little bit of trouble, a little bit of trouble in this round. But I do think that when it all comes down to it, I think they're going to be the team that raises the Larry O'Brien trophy. The Warriors are going to give them a hell of a run mm-hmm. uh, in this next round. But and I think that's going to be, you know, one of the best series in these playoffs. But, Right now, I'm still liking the Phoenix Suns because I think whoever comes out of the East is going to be banged up. It's going to be physical. Uh, like I said, the Milwaukee and Celtics series, I still see that going seven games probably. And it's going to be physical the whole way, and the Miami Heat love playing physical. So whoever comes out of the East is going to be a little bit banged up. And I think that the team that comes out of the West, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns, I kind of like. I'm leaning the Western Conference this year. One of those teams, two, one of those two teams coming out, and I'm going to stick with Phoenix. Kyle Irving, he writes for the Sporting News. SportingNews.com covers the NBA. Kyle, as always, thank you for doing this. Appreciate. It. We'll talk with you next week. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Kyle Irving. Uh, SportingNews.com. So, he's good. He's very good. And uh, the Suns are now the second choice. I think Golden State's favored, right? Yeah, I looked uh, this morning. I think Golden State is plus 180, something like that. That low now? Yeah. Jesus. And to win the West, they're minus money. Yeah. Minus 121, something like that, I think mm-hmm. it was. Free bet? It's Phoenix. Still Phoenix for you, huh? Aiton? Yeah. He played really well. I mean, everybody did last night. Well, we'll see. Well, what's Trent going to do? It's 11.45. We'll take our time out. Uh, come back and find out where Circus Sports sponsors Trent's plays of the day. They're coming up next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Des Moines homeowners have two questions. What's the best time to rent out my home? And what's the best way to do it? The best time is when you're moving, relocating, combining households, inheriting a house, or you just don't want to pay a mortgage anymore. The best way to rent? Hire Renner's Warehouse. Whether you have one home or a property portfolio, Renner's Warehouse does the work so you don't have to. They perfectly price your property so you don't have to. They find great tenants in just 17 days on average so you don't have to. And for a small, flat monthly fee, their professional landlords manage your property 24-7 so you don't have to. Collect the rent? You don't have to. Maintenance, inspections, and tax paperwork? You don't have to. There's no upfront fees, no binding contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Find out what your home will rent for by calling 515-528-4429 or go to renterswarehouse.com. That's renterswarehouse.com. Renters Warehouse, Des Moines. You can't buy happiness. Come, be sure to tell them that Emory sent you. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. 
Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. Hi, Miller and Condon. Final segment here on a Wednesday. David Kaplan could not join us today. He will tomorrow at 1130. We'll catch up with the Capman uh, tomorrow at 1130. Circus Sports sponsors, Trent's play of the day. We've got a couple of basketball games, three games on ice, full slate of MLB. few games have already started. They have, yeah. I think way. three are already underway. And, of course, we got golf starting tomorrow. All right. Doesn't get you going. That doesn't move my needle. Next week it will. Indeed it will. But Not I'm on so a non-sports week. week, according to my wife. We'll see how that goes. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Let's go baseball. Let's start this afternoon. White Sox going up against Savali. Boy, that curveball that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a big 12-6 to six bender. Hasn't had the same kind of snap this year. Give me the White Sox minus 120 pick number one. One more in baseball. Otani on the bump tonight after a no-hitter. This is something I think you know that I love. Teams mm-hmm. coming off a no-hitter, the celebration, fading them. So Tani on the mound. I get plus money with Tampa. Give me Tampa plus the 120 here today against the Well, Angels. you're getting a good team, too. It's yes. not like, you know, one of the worst it's teams. It's not the Pirates. Right. They're rolling in. It's Tampa. Pretty good. Yeah. Like, feel good about that one. Let's go to basketball tonight. Grabbing the points in both games. Going to grab the five Even and in the Memphis game. Of course. I was on them the other night. You thought I was crazy then. I still think you are. I think that Golden State pounds them tonight, but that's what? just me. I did just, you watch the game? I did. I, and, and they came together for their guy. You know, the, their leader's not there. Let's win one for Jaw. I don't know if they can do it two nights in a row. What are they, 25-4 and four without him? It's not like this team is chopped liver. Yeah, but boy, where would they be without him in these playoffs? Well, we'll find out tonight. Dylan Brooks, stop playing hero ball. I feel good. True. Much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a four and a half out there. I will grab that with Memphis. We go to hockey. I'm betting two dogs tonight and just hoping one comes home. Give me Washington. I get the Caps at plus 198. Doesn't that price seem crazy? It did. They were so close to winning the other game. I mean, they had the lead. The goalie was pulled. They were about to take a commanding lead over the one seed, the best team record-wise. It just felt like that was... I think you're on the wrong side. And I will go with Stars uh, plus 188. And I think you're on the wrong side. Well, I know how you bet. You bet favorites. I bet dogs. I just... Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we shall see. If I had to pick one where I think you're the most wrong, I think Golden State pounds them. Pounds them. Pounds them. Use an alternate line. Yeah, and the Cyhawk lane has gone down to six, by the way. Uh-huh. I was only six at FanDuel. You can get that now. Murph and Andy, an hour and five minutes. Fanatics at three. A Hawkeye Insider tonight at six.